It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now you can use code DNVR at sign up to get some very special offers. Baseball season's here, NCAA tournament, special offers with code DNVR when you go to DraftKings Sportsbook now. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we've got plenty more conversation about Chris Bryant. The first game of spring went down. Cactus League play is off and running for the Colorado Rockies. We've got general news and notes. At the end of today's show, I've got two player interviews for you. Two of the key players in today's 5-3 victory over the Diamondbacks. Starting pitcher Ty Block was very good today. Two innings pitched. He got the start and struck out four of the six batters he faced. Retired all six in a row. And Brett Boswell, who homered to center field. You'll hear about his interesting journey from a man on the 40-man roster who had earned his way and earned himself a spot just one step away from the big leagues until it all fell apart for him last year with somewhat of a freak injury. So you'll hear all about that. And Ty Block, if you haven't already checked out on the DNVR.com, there's a free article there for you all about. Ty Block, all about the kid from Centennial, Colorado, who went to Regis Jesuit High School, Colorado product, who not only grew up watching the Rockies, but was very much a Rockies fanatic. Hear all about that more. Make sure you check out the article again for free. It's a freebie right now at the DNVR.com. But we start where we left off on Thursday. Chris Bryant, member of the Colorado Rockies again, seven years $182 million, so many different angles to hit this from. It might be hard to do that today alone. Friday, most likely, it seems like it will be the day for his physical. And then Saturday, we're getting word, might be the press conference. So you might not even get a chance to see Chris Bryant in purple. And maybe it's only a purple warm-up shirt, whatever it may be, until Saturday. Again, on Twitter, at DNVR underscore Rockies or at Patrick D. Lyons, that's where you're going to get a first glimpse of Chris Bryant in the Rockies complex, standing next to Bill Schmidt or Bud Black, donning the purple pinstripes, as it were, of the Colorado Rockies. A lot of player reactions so far. All the big dogs. Charlie Blackman said that, obviously, a move like this shows a lot of confidence in the roster. And, you know, the Rockies, for better or worse, have had a lot of confidence in this roster over the last three years. Obviously, you'd have to say it's for the worst because they didn't address certain needs that they needed. I think in 2019, they addressed those needs, or at least as they saw fit, there really weren't too many needs. Of course, depth is always going to be one of those things. I think they came up short in that department. Obviously, they went the Daniel Murphy route rather than paying DJ LeMahieu what he and his agent were looking after. But Nevertheless, uh, maybe you give them a pass a little bit. And they were in the hunt in the postseason. They did have the final wild, wild card spot there late in June of 2019. But then that offseason, they do nothing. 
in the pandemic season. They really get caught out there with no left-hander in the bullpen. They pick up Matt Kemp and use him as their DH, you know, does well for a little while. Uh, probably for, you know, had half of a good season, and that half was only 30 of the 60 games. But, again, didn't really address it, and I think you saw that again last year in 2021 where there were some chinks in the armor that just simply weren't addressed, uh, starting rotation spot. You know, Chi-Chi Gonzalez uh, being forced to, to be used so frequently. Got five really good seasons out of their starting pitching, but just couldn't get them all healthy at the same time. Marquez was the only one that did not go on the injured list. So you say, finally, the Rockies are going out there and making those moves that they need to make with Jose Iglesias at shortstop, Alex Colomay as their closer, and Chad Cool as the number five starter. So you can maybe have a little bit more confidence and see that, especially with so many you know younger guys on the team. Charlie himself said, hey, we don't really have a young group. And that's right, they don't. It's still you know, some inexperience. You know, a guy like Garrett Hampson, who's now essentially in his fourth year, fourth full season, can't really say he's a young guy anymore. He's now in that almost veteran type status, not a veteran of, of a guy who's 32 years old type vet, but he's essentially in that veteran class now. A lot of other guys that are 27, 28, that might not have the service time to back it up. It's kind of strange to think of a player like Peter Lambert, who's 24 years old. You know, he's been around since 2019. And yet you have a guy like Ryan Rawlson, who's also 24 years old. I think Rawlson's even older than Lambert. And yet Rawlson has still yet to make his debut. That's what happens when you take a kid out of high school like they did with Lambert in 2015 at a San Dimas High School in Southern California. So Blackman's pointing out that, you know, it's not really a, a young group. And yet there's still some wiggle room for growth. Brendan Rodgers, maybe with a full season, takes another step forward. Could even take two steps forward. Brian McMahon. Maybe with that lineup protection that he didn't really have an opportunity to have quite as much, or rather, he had lineup protection, I think, since 2019, but was really bounced around. So now, last year in 2021, he finally got to settle in. He got a position that was his for the most part. Again, he'd start on opening day at second base, but now he has that position. He has that spot in the lineup with protection. Probably Chris Bryant batting behind him. If not, C.J. Crone protecting him in the lineup so you can go left, right. So you don't have, you're not two-handedness on one side, too many right-handers in a row and too many left-handed hitters in a row. So Charlie's right in there. They're not a young group, but I think they're, you could project a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. That if healthy, this team maybe is a little bit better then you can give them credit for it. And as soon as you add a player like Chris Bryant, now that moves the needle. Saw online someone saying, you know what? You know, maybe now they are a 78 to 87 win team, which does not mean you are a lock for the postseason. You're not. Absolutely not. But being 78 or an 87 win team, obviously a lot better than being maybe a 68 and 77 win team whatever it may be so charlie's saying look there's comp there's a lot of confidence here by the front office and they're giving us a really big player and when you acquire a player like that it's it's a sign to help get you over a hump what hump exactly is that well he kind of elaborated and said 
it, it's going to make you competitive. Not, not more competitive, but it's going to make you competitive. So that means now the Rockies are probably in range to battle for that sixth and final spot in the National League. Are they the sixth best team? No, I don't think they are. Can they be if all things go well? If the starting rotation stays healthy and continues to do what it's been doing, it doesn't even need to take a step forward. It really doesn't. If they are simply healthy, that rotation is going to do a lot of heavy lifting. And now with Chris Bryant in the lineup, Rogers a year older, McMahon benefiting from a little extra protection in the lineup, the use of the designated hitter over the pitcher, and some guys that you can say, well, you know what? Connor Joe flashed some interesting things last year. Sam Hilliard, maybe. Can he become a force? You have some things you can look on and definitely got to be a lot of hope. Definitely a lot of things need to break your way. But you can say, yeah, there's a world now where this team could be the sixth best in the National League. And I, I don't really think there's any way you could have said that before the acquisition of Chris Bryant. Ryan McMahon also went ahead and was very complimentary. Obviously, how, how can you not be? And said without a shadow of a doubt, again, standing in front of him and seeing his reaction, seeing the eye movement, or I should say lack thereof, he was being honest when he said, buddy knows, I'll do whatever it takes. Hit me anywhere, play me anywhere. I don't, wanna, I don't care. I just want to contribute to this team. And a couple days ago, I asked Buddy about Ryan McMahon taking that next step and being a leader of this team going forward. And he said, McMahon's ready. McMahon's ready to get into that role that I think we started to see Trevor Story do in 2019 when LeMahieu moved on and now it was going to be Ryan Bl uh, and it was going to be Ryan McMahon coming in at second base. And now Story was the veteran passing the torch in the middle infield to Ryan McMahon. And now we're seeing Ryan McMahon having to do it now to the younger generation of player. And again, being a leader by example and both on the field with his production. Finally, Bud Black said Chris Bryant is his left fielder. Nothing to worry about. No, no shenanigans about taking third base away from Ryan McMahon. Ryan McMahon's a third baseman. Now, that doesn't mean if Ryan McMahon needs a day off, and maybe, maybe you see more days off. Maybe Ryan McMahon is fully healthy, but if this team is contending, you may have to pick and choose and give guys a few more days off because you know late in the season those games are going to be that much more important. So you give McMahon a day off, maybe he's a DH, and then Chris Bryant is over at third base. Didn't get an opportunity to find out you know, who the backup third baseman is. Is, is Garrett Hampson that guy? Is it Alan Trejo? Connor Joe really hasn't played third base in a while. Did come up as a third baseman. We'll get to him a little bit more in a bit. But it's, it's probably Chris Bryant and then someone else is out there in left field. And so that's going to happen. But Ryan McMahon is the third baseman. Ryan McMahon is a guy that is gunning for Nolan Arenado to break that streak. But Buddy said Chris Bryant is his left fielder. And when asked about Bryant moving around and, you know, Sounds like Chris Bryant really likes to move around, which I find really interesting that he he likes that because obviously you would like more consistency than anything else, but he's okay with moving around. That being said, and, and this this goes back to what we talked about this offseason with, with several different guests, if you are paying a guy a lot of money, 
and even $80 million is a lot of money. He is going to be a player at a position, and that's it. You move forward. If you have a club that is on paper, maybe a 75-win club, 74, 73, whatever you want to call the Rockies, certainly a team that is in the bottom half of the division, if you pay 80 plus million dollars and in this case 182 million dollars to a player that says a lot about your team and a lot about the player and so your team is not so good that you're forced to pay nearly 200 million dollars to bounce a guy all around the different positions we have in baseball that doesn't make any sense he can do that and he very much will do that and i think we will see that that positional flexibility is going to be great late in the games to mix and match and say, you know what, I can go to so-and-so on the bench because now Brian can slot over into center field. Connor Joe can go into left field. Connor Joe can't go into center field. That, that's not a position I think the Rockies would feel comfortable with. And so maybe you can't put Connor Joe in that spot if you don't have anyone to play center field. But Chris Bryant can play center field competently. And so you can do that for the final couple innings here and there, maybe even more than that. And so that positional flexibility will be a factor late in games, I think. And, and again, once or twice a week at, at most, but Chris Bryant is the left fielder and he moves around. It's probably going to be because of maybe the lack of ability of somebody else. Again, who is the backup third baseman after Ryan McMahon? I think you probably feel a lot more comfortable with Bryant there at third base than you do anyone else. I think Hampson could do it, but Hampson may need to be at second base or even shortstop for a spell or center field. If you got a left-hander in the lineup and you can't go with Sam Hilliard, whatever it may be. So positional flexibility is huge, but Bud Black said, point blank, he's the left fielder. That's that. Big shout out to everyone who's been coming down to the bar for the March Madness. It's March. It's been mad down the corner of Colfax, New York, especially for everyone who's a member. You've already signed up to the DNVR.com. Maybe you got a 50 cent membership for that first month and decided, yeah, I'm ready to do this legit. Or you got the annual membership and you got yourself a free shirt at DNVRlocker.com. Whatever it may be, you know that when you come down to the DNVR bar, you get that member size beer. Yes, everyone will look around. If they are not a member and say, why is his or her beer bigger than mine? Their Breck Brew has got several more ounces. It's noticeable. Why is that? And, well, you could tell them or not. You can keep it a secret to yourself. Hopefully you tell them and let them in on joining our community. But you know what? They're going to be a little bit jealous with that member size beer and with any extra raffle tickets you might get at the watch parties that we have going down each and every day. College basketball fans, you're probably already down there for the tournament CSU CU already bounced from the tourney unfortunately but you know how to get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook by turning your team's victory into your own big win with DraftKings Sportsbook new customers you can bet five dollars on any team to win you get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do it's that simple if they win you win DraftKings customers can also bet on college hoops with those same game parlays look if there are teams that you know are going to get the job done and players that you know you can rely on, even if the odds aren't very good, you can link two, three, or four of those things together, and now all of a sudden, the odds get bigger. It's like flipping a coin, right? You say, I got a 50-50 shot 
So it doesn't really seem like there's going to be a big payout. But what if you're calling three straight coin flips? Heads, heads, heads. Well, now that's much harder to have happen. But thankfully, if you're watching DNVR bets, you know what players, you know what teams to bet on. So you're actually going to have much better odds than just flipping a coin. Same game parlays are huge. Now, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Remember, if they win, you win with promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. The only issue you should have right now with watching the Nuggets and Avalanche is prioritizing how much you talk to your significant other during the game. Because now you can get the Nugs and the Avs with Ivaca TV. Yes, you can also get CSU Rams, Denver Pioneers, Rapids, Mammoth, and yeah, now the Colorado Rockies, all in one place. Doesn't matter where you're at in the Rocky Mountain region, Phoenix, Denver, Colorado Springs, Idaho, doesn't matter. Go to ivaca.tv slash dnbr and you can get Altitude Sports, AT&T Sportsnet. It's $25 per month plus receiver, zero hidden fees or contracts. Your price gets locked in for two years. And for that, you never have to worry again with Ivaca TV. You get your nuggets and avalanche. Unbelievable. Ivaca.tv slash DNVR. All right, as I touched on, the impact on this club of Chris Bryant, we heard from the players. Well, now, what's the analysis of everything? Better lineup, obviously. I don't think I really need to discuss much on that front. Bryant will split up the left-handed hitters of McMahon and Blackman. I fully expect, I don't know. If I was the manager, doing some fantasy managing here, Brian McMahon will hit in front of Blackman. So you're going to have McMahon and Bryant, which very well could mean Ryan McMahon is your number two hitter. He could be number three. That really stretches the lineup out. If you can say Ryan McMahon is batting third, Bryant fourth, Blackman fifth, Crone hitting sixth, you really like the sound of that. The question is, who's in front of Ryan McMahon? Obviously, Brendan Rodgers from the right-hand side. I like how he did last year, batting in the two spot. Got a lot of really good protection from Charlie Blackman. Then it's just a matter of finding a leadoff hitter, whether it's Ryan Hampson, maybe even Sam Hilliard. Connor Joe did a very good job last year when he was healthy. And maybe you mix and match. But imagine having that with McMahon batting third and Bryant fourth. That's going to stretch your lineup out that much more. There's going to be obvious impact on the DH spot. A lot of guys in the Rockies roster that you're looking at and saying, I think there's more in there for this guy. I can project a better season if he's given more consistent at-bats. Well, that's going to be harder to come by, those consistent at-bats with a guy that you, you almost want to pencil in for 162. He'll probably end up getting a good you know 150, as it were. Don't think he's actually played that many yet in a single season, but nevertheless... There's a big impact on the DH spot because you can rotate guys in and out of there. And that's something that, whether you have an analytics team or not, and the Rockies do now, Rockies have a bunch of those folks buzzing around. We see them on the complex working incredibly hard. There's only a few of them, so they're, they're not very hard to miss. But nevertheless, whether it's the Rockies analytics department or whether it's another team in Major League Baseball, it's clear that 
using your DH as a rotational position, using it as a place to give guys half of the day off is the advantage. Again, there are, there are few and far David Ortiz's in the world. There's, there's very few of those really great superstar to Hall of Fame caliber. Talked about them already this week. Victor Martinez, Edgar Martinez, Harold Baines, those kind of players. There's, they're few and far between. And even if you do have them, guess what? Now you have a logjam because that's one less spot that you can get a guy into the lineup or keep his bat in the lineup even though you want to get him off his feet for a game. Can't do that if you have a player locked into the DH spot. So the Rockies aren't going to do that. Most teams aren't going to do that. Most teams are not. You're going to see that in the NL right away. Nelson Cruz, sure, for the Nationals. That's going to be the one exception. But otherwise, it's not going to break down that way. You're going to rotate guys in and out. And that ultimately leads to discussion about the outfielders. Going into camp, I think there were six outfielders, not even including Ryan Vallade. So what happens to all those guys? Because now there's only really one spot left in the outfield. If Blackman's in right, Bryant's in left, there's only one spot in the outfield, and it's the hardest one. So you can't just stick anyone there. You can't really stick Charlie Blackman there. Didn't play there at all last season. I don't even think for an inning, not even a single inning. Could he do it for an inning? Yeah, of course. But you didn't see that because there were some better options. But not all of the outfield options can play center field. Connor Joe, I don't think he I don't think he in mustard in center field doesn't have that kind of experience. Center field in many ways can be easier than the corners because the ball's coming at you straight on. There's not going to be that slice on the baseball. You're not going to have to play some of those weird caroms, but you got a lot of ground to cover. And I think that would be a tall order to have Connor Joe out there on a permanent basis. He could absolutely do it for a couple games at a time. I think you you might need to do that, in fact, to get his bat in the lineup on some days. But Rymel Tapia is another one of those guys we did see out in center field a little bit in recent. Bud Black actually talked about Rymel Tapia today because Tap was brought up. You know, where's his spot right now? And Buddy said, well, yeah, he has a spot on the team. He's on the roster. It is a little troubling and, and can't do much about it. But both Tapia and Jonathan Daza are not in camp. Johan Ibar is the only one left not to report. Elias Diaz did arrive on Thursday. Alex Colomad, he had arrived on Wednesday. They finally made that move finalized. We'll get to that in the notes here just a bit. But Rymel Tapia is really going to be the odd man out because I don't think the team is comfortable with him playing significant innings out in center field. Maybe on the road, maybe in a smaller ballpark that could work, but you're taking a step back, especially when you've got three better options in Sam Hilliard, Jonathan Daza, and Garrett Hampson. So now Tapia is the one that's going to be impacted most by it. I really thought there was a chance he could have gotten designated for assignment this offseason because you know between him and Daniel Bard, those two guys were making a combined $9 million. And for the Rockies... That's a decent chunk of change. That's It's not as much, but it is close to the amount that's spent just on Iglesias, Colome, and Cool. And you say, hmm, who would you rather have those three guys or keep the roster identical with Tapia and Bard? And I think, I think you'd rather have the three guys. I think you'd rather have that 
lockdown, guaranteed, can pencil him into the lineup each and every night. And Jose Iglesias, the guy that you can rely on a lot more so in the ninth inning in column A, especially over Daniel Bard right now. And then on top of that, you get a number five starter. So Tapia, you know, the money he's making isn't entirely insignificant, but some smaller market teams, they might balk at it a little bit. So it could be hard for the Rockies to find a trade companion. And teams know that, hey, if Tapia's the odd man out and the team doesn't, you know, feel like they can do a good job carrying him on the bench, especially when you have other options that are making the league minimum available, you know, if you can save $2 million, team's going to save $2 million. So that's that's going to be a big question hanging over this team a little bit is what's the future of Rymel Tapia? I think the Rockies could get something for him, but obviously they are not in the power seat. They're not going to be able to say, no, 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 we'll just hold on to him if you don't give us X, Y, and or Z, whatever it may be. Certainly won't be three different pieces, but nevertheless, Rockies don't have that leverage. So they might just have to take what they can get. And really, if it's just about getting rid of the money, all right, give me uh, give me a number three starter in double A to take the money off the books. That might be what it, what it happens to be. Hilliard and Daza, they're going to be your center fielding options. I mean, Hampson, again, he can play center field, but I think they might end up using him a little bit more in the infield. You know, we got to see Alan Trejo in today's First spring training game, go over to play some second base. He's going to be that Pat Valeka type player that moves around the infield if they decide to go that route. Again, I think Hampson can do it, but you might like Hampson in the outfield a little bit. So if Hampson's in the outfield a little bit, you've got nobody else to play up the middle if something happens to Rogers or Iglesias. Not just long-term, like a 10-day IL did, but just in a game. You might not necessarily have anybody else. So Hampson is another guy, you know, impacted by this just a little bit. And Connor Joe's the one you got to get to because I think Connor Joe, if a lot of us were making our lineup in the offseason or, or maybe even just reflecting on the best lineups of 2021, you'd probably say when the Rockies really were locked in there for a period of time in the summer, especially at home, Connor Joe is batting leadoff. And I think that could be where we see him again. Now, if Rodgers is batting second, you got two right-handers back-to-back. But you know if there's a left-hander on the hill, you're okay with that. And there's a right-hander on the hill, maybe that's where Sam Hilliard gets a spot batting at the top of the order. And you say, oh, Sam Hilliard, he does strike out a lot. All right, Joey Gallo. It's a good Joey Gallo comp. But maybe, maybe that puts a little fear in the opposing pitcher's mind, seeing that, Hey, there's a there's a new young Charlie Blackman that with one swing of the bat on one pitch can make this a one nothing ball game real quick in the first inning. That could be interesting. That very much could be interesting. So Connor Joe is going to be the guy that we're seeing it already as soon as those rumors began to swirl. Connor Joe started to see a lot more at first base. Ryan Valade was taking ground balls at first base as well, getting familiar with position. He's another guy who's you know, originally a left side of the infield player, was a shortstop coming out of high school out of Stillwater, Oklahoma, quickly moved over to third base, now kind of you know, really entrenched in an outfield spot. But you know what? Did, did say in the offseason, actually during the Arizona Fall League when I caught up with him, 
he said, eh, maybe some second base, first base. He needs to be ready for anything. And so Connor Joe is also going to be ready for anything. Scooped a nice ball out of the dirt. Mike Redman had some nice comments about him post game uh, as, as he was the acting manager, but black needed to take off there at the end of the game. And so did compliment Connor Joe's defense there over at first base. And so CJ Crone, another year older, might be a guy that, you know, had some issues defensively from time to time at first base. So you move him to DH. Now Connor Joe is over there at first base. That gets Joe in at the lineup, maybe gets him even in at the top of the lineup. So this positional flexibility piece is going to be really important going forward. And the less positions you can play, the less chance you have of making this roster, frankly, unless you're a superstar with the name of Chris Bryant or Charlie Blackman. Ryan McMahon, again, we know he's the third baseman, can move around if he's needed to, but he's got that spot locked up. Everybody else, you need to have some flexibility. You need to have a little positional flexibility. I'll, I'll throw Brendan Rodgers in that group too. He's a guy that his position's safe in second base. Probably could play shortstop still. He would definitely tell you that he could. I think he can do some third base, but he just really won't need to. Everyone else, you need to bring a couple mitts. You most definitely need to bring a couple gloves when you come to the ballpark and be ready for just about anything. And if we're talking about flexibility, if we're talking about crossover athletes, well then we gotta be talking about the American Raptors. Go to AmericanRaptors.com for free tickets and a schedule and learn more about going on in your backyard in Glendale, Colorado. It's a rugby group. It's a rugby club composed of crossover athletes who played professionally in any number of sports, wrestling, basketball, you name it. And these guys are getting ready. They are learning the game. You can actually learn the game with them. If you check out the DNVR Rugby podcast with Colton Strickler, it drops every week with info on all the basics of rugby. He interviews the top athletes and coaches in the sport. And he's going to give you some betting tips on this year's Super Rugby as well so if you're if you're needing that fix in between the seasons before baseball gets going learn more about the super rugby with colton strickler the dnvr rugby podcast and american raptors again all that more at americanraptors.com and i tell you those players get banged up and i would check out the relief and recovery creams from escape artists because what they do is produce creams that can help penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort and for it to be fast absorbing. It's not greasy, it's not gonna stain your clothes or sheets, but you can get it at Light Shade Dispensary, 10, soon to be 11, Denver Metro area location. Escape Artist is the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency. Again, get it at Light Shade. They've got a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And now podcast listeners, Y'all can get 25% off non-sale items with code DNVR. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup. Visit a Lightshade location near you. Well, before we get to conversation I had with Ty Block and Brett Boswell, again, that Ty Block article is unlocked. It is a free article for you to check out there. The Centennial Colorado native who has memories of opening day at Mile High Stadium in 1993, despite the fact he was only two years old. He's got memories of opening day in 1995 at Coors Field when Dante Bichette went deep in extra 
extra innings. No, he doesn't remember that moment, but he remembers being there at that game. Got to stay in the hotel that the Rockies occupied down in Tucson, Arizona, back when they would play at High Corbett Field. Again, check out that article. It's free at the DNVR.com. Other interesting notes going down. Got a chance to catch up with Jose Iglesias today. Had a lot of good things to say about the clubhouse and the characters that were in there, or rather the character of the players that are in that clubhouse, and really gave the Rockies a little bit of praise and said that the team has some similarities to the team he played for last year. No, not the Los Angeles Angels, the team he was ultimately waived from, but the team he was picked up by in September, the Boston Red Sox. Now, he was not able to make the Red Sox roster as rules prohibit players who are not on the roster as of the end of August, back when there used to be the, the secondary trade deadline. So that rule still stuck around despite their now only being the one true trade deadline. So, but he contributed to that team in a major way, was, was someone of a force with Boston, a team that went 92 and 70, 22 games over 500. And Jose Iglesias said, you know, this team, this clubhouse right now, the Rockies, they kind of have that feel. Now, I don't think he was saying they're going to win 92 games, but I think he was saying they're going to be a team that's going to win some games, has a lot of talent, has a lot of good folks in the dugout, in the clubhouse, and a really good managerial staff and coaching staff that's going to bring all of those different personalities and abilities together and make it mesh. Finally got an opportunity to go out on the field today. Jose Iglesias did. So, you know, had seen Ryan McMahon play before. Had some really good words to say about his defense. Was looking forward to getting out there on the field with Brendan Rodgers. Already enjoyed their few interactions up to that point, but really looking forward to mixing it up with him in the middle of the Rockies infield. Alex Colomay, as I mentioned earlier, was officially added to the roster today with Scott Oberg being added to the 60-day IL. We know Oberg has been out with those thoracic outlet syndrome with blood clots being that big issue and don't know if he's going to come back. Odds are against him. You know, he's going to work his butt off to try. In the meantime, he's still going to be the player representative for the Rockies. I, I think I mentioned this on Thursday's podcast, everything that he's done to help the players here in the negotiations that went down during the lockout between owners and players. And he's really the perfect kind of guy to come over on the front office side when his playing career is done or when his contract lets out. So Scott Ober, great guy to have in the clubhouse now on the 60-day IL. Allows the Rockies to make room for column A. That means there's still needs to be one more transaction on the 40-man roster. When Chris Bryant is added, he's, he's number 41. So that means somebody's got to go. Somebody has got to go. Are there any 60-day IL candidates? Not to my knowledge. There, I, I don't know that there's anyone that's even on the 10-day IL. Peter Lambert is, you know, still, I imagine, tender, if you will, in his recovery process. We talked about the Rockies babying him along just a little bit. And, and do want to mention Peter Lambert did give up his number 23 for Chris Bryant. I, I went up to him and today and, and said, hey, what's your wrist size? And uh, he thought it was probably the weirdest question he ever got. I was alluding to the fact that he probably 
earned himself a Rolex, but no, uh, sounded like he, there wasn't really any negotiation. Maybe, maybe we'll learn that you know Bryant did you know float a check his way or something like that, or maybe made a donation to Peter Lambert's favorite charity. But for right now, we'll get the story in the next couple of days. It seems like Peter Lambert just gave up the number twenty-three out of the goodness of his heart, took the number twenty last worn by Ian Desmond. So Chris Bryant will wear number twenty-three with the Colorado Rockies. So hey. You might have seen it on Twitter. We were the first ones that DNVR, as well as my account on Twitter, at Patrick D. Lyons, to tweet that out. If you want to be the first kid on your block to officially have your Chris Bryant jersey, 23 is the number. KB23. That's going to be the new brand here in Denver, Colorado. But when Chris Bryant is officially signed, someone's got to go off the 40 minute. Who's it going to be? Well, it really only looks like two candidates. And it's a shame because one of them is not in camp right now. The two, there, are, there are about two or three names, I, I have to say, maybe, but no. And two other names, I would say, unlikely. And then two names I would put in the, those are going to be the odd, those are probably going to be the, the odd men out. Maybe, but no, the bottom tier, Alan Trejo, no. Again, I really think the Rockies are going to need him. Uh, at shortstop for a spell, perhaps. Play a little second base when needed. He's going to be that utility infielder by trade. Hampson can play anywhere. But Trejo, utility infielder, I don't think that's going to happen. Ryan Feltner, Ben Bowden, probably not. Again, those are organizational guys that they really like. Unless they think they can sneak them through waivers, which may be. Uh, I, I, I don't cover the other 29 teams to know what they're thinking. I haven't talked to any of their scouts to get their takes on it. But maybe you could sneak either of those two guys through, but I don't think that's going to happen. Again, Daza and Tapia have not shown up yet for camp. And I don't know if you try to sneak a guy like that through waivers, nobody's going to claim them because they're not on American soil. I still think those two guys are very much unlikely. Somebody would take a chance on Daza because he's making the league minimum. Tapia, Expected to make, I think maybe two point seven million dollars in arbitration. Not exactly sure what the number is, but it's it's not the league minimum. It's not that seven hundred thousand dollars that guys are starting at at the bottom of the totem pole. And so, yeah, at that point, you just have to waive them. You have to eat that contract now. You don't get that money off the books. So again, I, I don't think that's likely either. The two names I could see as maybe. Julian Fernandez, who is a guy that teams have been coveting for a few years. We saw the San Francisco Giants claim him in the Rule 5 draft. We saw the Miami Marlins scoop him up right away. He was a player who last year, when he made his major league debut in a game, I think that featured five different rookies for the Rockies. All, all nine innings. It was Ryan Feltner's, I think, debut. They were all rookies, except for the fact that Julian Fernandez technically wasn't a rookie. He had two years of service time. He just happened to be on the 60-day IL for all two of those years, but he got two years of service time, even though he was making his major league debut. That is a wrinkle unlike any other. I think he could be one of those guys. And then finally, Johan Ibar. Again, it's a shame he's not in camp. Guy who was a former position player, still looking to find his command when he finds the strike zone. He is virtually unhittable. Had a good year last year at AA Hartford. But again, you, you're looking and you're saying, well, we got to get rid of somebody. We like everybody. I actually like everybody on this roster. And you might 
you know, not be able to say very easily or with much conviction, oh, there's fat to cut off. You know, there were times where you had guys like Joe Harvey on the roster, Philip Deal, and you say, eh, I don't know how big the upside is, but Julian Fernandez has a lot of upside, especially when you're throwing 103 miles, especially when you're throwing 103 miles an hour. And Johan Ibar, I think, has that kind of upside too. He's a lot farther away. So for that reason, you can say, eh, it's, it's maybe a little too little too late, perhaps. So I, I think that could be the move. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, but I figured you'd appreciate um, a little bit. I figured you'd appreciate an early take on someone of the depth chart of the 40-man roster. Where do things land if the Rockies swing a trade or if the Rockies sign one or two more guys, which I think they are probably locked and loaded. Again, trade of Ryan Tapia could bring over some more major league talent. If Scott Schebler makes the opening day roster, you're going to have to do some shuffling. So you're going to want to know, hey, what's the, the depth chart of the 40-man roster? There is your five, six, seven guys that are kind of at the bottom that you can say, if we lose them, it's a shame because we like them. We like what they can do. We think they've got more projectability, but we like everybody else that much more. Here we are, player interviews with Ty Block, Centennial, Colorado native, and Brett Boswell. And that conversation is immediately followed by Brett Boswell, a guy who is a much hulkier version of Garrett Hampson, a guy who was a second baseman at the University of Texas, went out to play some center field and had a little bit of misfortune, a little bit of bad luck, but he's bouncing back. I've seen him hit two homers so far while I've been down here in, in, in legit games. Backfield, uh, prospect game, maybe you don't want to call it legit. No, they're, they're playing. All those guys are battling. Saw him hit one there and saw him hit one today at Salt River Fields, just straightaway center field. So Boswell's is a name to keep your eye on, a really good depth piece, still a young guy, and still a player that if things break the right, right way, we, we could end up seeing him at Coors Field at some point. Patrick Lyons here with Colorado native and Colorado Rocky, Ty Block. Ty, how was your offseason? It was great. I was uh, able to spend it with family in Denver and uh, just really excited to be here and have this opportunity in spring training and uh, nice to be back healthy. Do you normally have your off-seasons uh, in Denver and you train at a facility there? Yes, I train at Landau Performance uh, in uh, Centennial area and uh, it's right by the Broncos practice facility over there and uh, uh, I've done that for the last several years so it's been a great spot for me. This has been probably somewhat a more normal spring for you as compared to the previous couple off seasons with the pandemic and whatnot as you were able to get in on a minor league deal, right? Yeah, it's been kind of a different off season for everybody, I think, just kind of with the lockout, not not really knowing what's going on. But uh, for me, coming back from Tommy John surgery, just being able to uh, get in with these guys, have an opportunity to show that I'm healthy and, and get back to the highest level is, is awesome and uh, just really thankful to be here. I know some guys, when they come back from Tommy John surgery, they come back throwing even harder. Has that been the case for you so far? I definitely feel like uh, the ball's coming out really good. I think uh, there's potential for it to be harder. I think for me, it's just been back to what it was before surgery, which is really good. Uh, kind of a little bit of an uptick that I had uh, uh, earlier on in my career. So it's kind of nice to, to have that again and uh, feel feel really good about it. I know in college, you went to Creighton University. Uh, sneaky good school for baseball. Let people know who don't. Yeah, there's a lot of us playing in pro ball right now, so it's a lot of fun to, to see a lot of success from a lot of guys. 
a few guys before me, Darren Ruff and Pat Vendetti, guys who have had a lot of success at uh, the highest levels of baseball. And then uh, there's several guys still playing from my age group, Anthony Bembooms, a catcher with the Orioles. And then uh, there's a bunch of young guys. we got a guy, Isaac Collins, here in the organization who had a great year last year. So it's fun to see guys uh, doing well out of Creighton. You mentioned uh, before we started talking about growing up in Colorado in the Centennial area, what are your, some of your favorite memories of being a Rockies fan? I still remember opening day 1993. Uh, that was one of my first memories as a kid. Uh, that was really cool. And then uh, the one that really sticks uh, in my mind is uh, 1995 opening day. Dante Bichette hitting that walk-off home run and them, uh, you know, clinching a playoff berth later on that year. That was really cool. You know, growing up seeing the Blake Street Bombers. You know, between Andre Scalaraga and Vinny Castilla and. Ellis Burks and Dante Bichette, and then obviously you have Todd Helton and uh, that era right behind him, Larry Walker. Just amazing group of players just to, to grow up and watch. And uh, it's been fun for me to get to meet several of those guys here this spring and uh, kind of talk shop with them some. We'll have to eventually get your top 100 all-time greatest Rockies, but who are a couple <laughs> that were personal favorites for you? Uh, I, I was a big Cat fan growing up. He was always my favorite as a kid, and then uh, when he left, it quickly became Todd. Uh, just what, what he did for the organization was incredible, and um, just just a lot of amazing players, a lot of great people in the organization. Hitters obviously have you know taken the limelight at, at Coors Field, but you as a pitcher yourself, are there guys that you saw in the 90s and the early 2000s that you know they probably deserve a little bit more credit than they currently get? Yeah, well, we've got Pedro Estacio here right now, and he was an unbelievable pitcher there for a long time, and uh, so it's been really fun to talk to him and, and kind of pick his brain on how he attacked Coors Field. You look at guys like Aaron Cook and what he did for several years there, and uh, just a lot of great pitchers. Jeff Francis, uh, another kind of crafty lefty, and so a lot of a lot of great pitchers around that have had success at Coors Field for sure. And you've obviously had success in Colorado pitching at altitude. How do you think that's going to factor into your success with the team? I think for me, it's just kind of business as usual. Training there in the off season, I know what to expect, how the ball moves, and uh, I like to try to keep the ball on the ground, anyways, as a pitcher. So uh, just go out there and try to pitch my strengths. In the off season, searching for a home and you find out that the Rockies are interested. Was that kind of the end of the conversation right there? I'm going back home. I was just looking for an opportunity to get back to the big leagues for me, and uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity here. we got a great squad, and I think uh, for me to be able to have that opportunity, whether it's in AAA uh, to start the year in the big leagues, I think uh, it's just exciting to be back knowing that I can pitch that high level again. I was a Sky Sox guy growing up. Did you ever get a chance to go down to Colorado Springs? I did. I played in Colorado Springs in uh, 2015, one of the last years that they were there uh, in the PCL. Uh, I pitched down there, so that was kind of fun. Had a lot of family members there. It was the first time I'd played in Colorado in a long time, so a lot of people came out and watched, and then uh, now they've moved to Albuquerque, which is another pretty good place to play. Do you remember your first start uh, as a member of the Giants coming back to Coors Field? I do. Yeah, I, I remember my first big league outing was uh, at Coors Field. So I made my debut September 5th, 2016, and uh, it was a pretty amazing moment to be running out of the bullpen. And uh, I'd done it before, pitching there in high school. We played some games there. So I felt really comfortable there, had a ton of family and friends. So that was a really, really special moment for me in my career.
Were your teammates amazed that you ran out of the bullpen and you weren't winded by the time you got to the mound? <laughs> well, by that time, September, all my altitude training probably worn off, but uh, had some good advice to take it easy jogging out there and not let the adrenaline get me uh, sprinting out there too fast. So. Ty, thank you so much for your time. Good luck this season. I appreciate it. Thank you. Patrick Lyons here with Brett Boswell of the Colorado Rockies. Brett, you're back. Full strength. Uh, how did you heal after the ankle injury last year? Uh, I mean, it took some time, but everything went really well. Um, and now I'm back out here. I've been out here since the beginning of February and doing everything on the field, so it, it feels great. Last year, obviously, you were added to the 40-man roster. What was that phone call like? How good did that feel? I mean, it felt amazing. Like, obviously, getting that call and being put on that roster means that they obviously think something highly of you. And, uh, yeah, you know, I was looking forward to having a big year and then coming to spring training and I showed up, got COVID when I first showed up, so I had to sit in a hotel for 14 days and then come out here, didn't perform great, and then as I started, like, getting back into it, then I tore up my ankle and that just ended the year right there and I was like, dang. Other than that, it sounded great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but the, being put added to the 40 man was huge, uh, huge honor, so... I saw you on one of the backfields. I think you hit a home run on, on Saturday. The, the stroke seems to be back. Everything seems to be flowing well for you, would you say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been did a lot of work this off season, and I mean, I started doing baseball stuff in September, which I usually don't do that. So I've been doing everything for almost six months now. Um, so everything feels good. Uh, did a lot of machine work, and I think that coming into camp got me ready for live. So everything feels really good. Did it feel like some kind of continuation from the pandemic when there wasn't any minor league games? Yeah, a little bit. Um, the last two years have been really weird for me. <laughs> That's just it's how it's gone. Uh, missed out on the last two years, so looking forward to doing something this year. What was it like that first game that you stepped back out on the field here this spring? Was it, did it feel like a real big moment for you? Yeah, honestly, like even just it's a backfield game. You know, there was some fans out there, but not much and I could just tell him I like I was all antsy I was amped up and it was it was a good feeling to step back out there I know you came up as a second baseman but more recently you've been playing a little bit more outfield is that going to be your primary position it seems like it um, over the last two years uh, kind of the end of the 2019 season double a uh, majority of my playing time was out there in center field and over the last two years it seems like that's the trend so I assume that's where I'm going to be majority of the time and also still have infield gloves still doing a little bit of work out there um just trying to check all the boxes that i can really how has that transition been to the outfield so far honestly i felt like i picked it up really quickly uh the corners like left and right it's a little different because you got a little bit of different angle but center field felt like it was just a i mean not a breeze but it was pretty pretty simple it's just just ball goes up and you run and go catch it have you been pestering some of the other outfielders for little insights like that, like you said, with the corners? Yeah, of course. Like, when I first got moved out there, I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know what I'm doing out here. And so I was talking to Hillier, talking to Blackman, obviously. Every time I come to camp, I'd be talking to those guys, like, trying to figure out, okay, so how do you guys do this? How do you prepare for this? Like, and being able to talk to those kind of guys, it's unbelievable. I imagine Garrett Hampson might also be a, a good guy to talk to since he knows what you've been through as a middle infielder, now being an outfielder. Oh, yeah, Hampy, I mean, one, he's got great speed, too, so can't exactly do exactly what he does because he just can fly, but, no, he's a really smart guy out there, so he's definitely one I would talk to in really every day when we're doing drills. Brett, thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you all for the love and support everyone has been showing the entire DNVR family during this crazy time and crazy with all caps and with all smiley faces 
because it's been so exciting. We know what the Nuggets and the Avalanche are doing in their season. We know how electric it can be when the Broncos are doing some exciting things. And now with Russell Wilson, the Broncos are back on top. And now with the acquisition of Chris Bryant, hey, look, it's not boring. We know that. It's not boring. Uh, and it is something that you can get a little bit more excited for, for sure. You, you might see more Cubs fans around, even when the Cubs aren't at the ballpark. Uh, much to, to many of y'all, uh, much to many chagrins. But nevertheless, things are going to be interesting on the field. They're going to be interesting in the standings, a lot more so than they were you know, just a week ago. Because frankly, at the time of recording this for me, a week ago, we, we barely even had baseball back. We, we thought there was going to be a lockout that stretched for a while. I even started telling people that there was a 10% chance there would be baseball this year. 10%. 10% based on everything that was going on. And if the, the tea leaves I was reading, if the, if the grapevine was speaking correctly, I think that was about right. But nevertheless, we do not have to live in that parallel universe. So this has been great. It's been fun. Still going to be down in Scottsdale through the weekend, through the early parts of next week. It's going to be great. It's, it's prospect season coming up here. We're going to have to try to compress that down, get a prospect roundtable. Hold me accountable for that. I don't like just saying things and not doing them. You know it's going to get done. You know you can rely on that just like you can rely on the podcast being dropped every day, Monday through Friday at 5 a.m., guaranteed, locked and loaded for you there so we'll do some fun stuff with the prospects when it comes to that time i already had a chance to catch up with brent doyle with drew romo excited to talk about those guys a lot more going forward so it's been another great fun and exciting week thank you all but you know what they say about momentum it is only as good as tomorrow's podcast so i will talk to you next week